Or maybe, maybe, Abe, you are the proverbial frog in the boiling <laughs> pot you of know water. What? If and I'm what? bald at 99 years old, then uh, it was a great scheme. <laughs> Ooh, you got me. Like, who cares? Cast Iron Brains, a podcast that keeps getting older, even as all the other podcasts stay the same age. All right, all right, all right. Speaking of which, this podcast was none too pleased to see all the snarky and rude headlines this week about former Georgia quarterback and the greatest Georgia Bulldog of all time, Stetson Bennett, a young man uh, who was arrested in Dallas on some trumped-up charges by resentful cops, no doubt still sore about the recent merciless beatdown of nearby TCU, which Bennett executed with the ruthless efficiency of a drunk methodically polishing off the last sixer of a case of Coors Light in a perfectly respectable 90 minutes. Did Bennett screw up? Perhaps. Sometimes you get separated from the boys after a long night out in a strange town, and you're not too sure which of these identical cookie-cutter townhouses was the Airbnb. Does one little mistake warrant so much humiliating coverage? Seriously. That's why I don't read the newspaper. Because it's garbage. And the editor that let it come out is garbage. Attacking an amateur athlete for doing everything right. And then you want to write articles about guys that don't do things right and downgrade them, the ones that do make plays. Are you kidding me? Where are we at in society today? Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. I'm not a, I'm not a kid. Write something about me or our coaches. Go write about a kid that does everything right, that's hearts broken, and then say that the coaches said he was scared. That ain't true. And then to say that we made that decision because Donovan Woods, because he threatened to transfer, that's not true. So get your facts straight. And I hope someday you have a child and somebody be downgrades them and belittles them and you have to look them in the eye and say, you know what, it's okay. They're supposed to be mature adults, but they're really not. Who's the kid here? Who's the kid here? Are you kidding me? That's all I got to say. Makes me want to puke. My name is Bob, sitting across the way from my good friend and co-host. That's Abe. How you doing tonight, Abe? Doing well, Bob. Yeah, here we are. Lori's here too. How you doing, Lori? Still in my thirties. <laughs> Lori is still in her thirties. Tonight is Monday, January thirtieth, twenty twenty-three. 40 years and some nine hours or so since the day I began my journey here on this earth. Abe, you joined us this weekend in a, in a grand surprise dinner time on Friday night. There I am preparing a, a hearty meal for my family. <laughs> I, I look up and the dog starts losing her mind because there's a, a dark shadow moving across <laughs> our front yard towards the front door. The dog did not appreciate. And it was you, Abe. You surprised right. me uh, with, with Lori's help, surprised us with a visit. 
Although that's not how you would tell it. Uh, apparently, you knew all about it without knowing I anything about it. I just told it. I gave the narrative as the as as the public would demand it. Uh, it's not you're lying entirely a true narrative, but it's close <laughs> enough. Yes, I uh, came over for a couple of days in uh, Charlottesville. Nice little weekend we had. Lovely visit. Thank you for coming. It meant a lot. Uh, no problem. Uh, thanks to Lori being... for setting it up. Mm. Yes, good job, Lori. Um, thanks. I said, hey, Abe. Can you come that last weekend in January? And Abe was like, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he said, I, I don't think I have anything better to do then. Yeah. So. You beat out all the competition, which was none. Uh, by the way, uh, being the, uh, I'm your older person here, right? And I'm already 40. And yes, I do wanna my elder. <laughs> You're old. By by nearly two whole months. Exactly. I, yeah. I mean, I had a nice little start. Uh, welcome to the other side of the hill. It's not bad. It's uh, not too yeah. shabby. Yeah, it's it's fine. I don't make a big deal out of birthdays. I, the main thing that I felt when you got here was, oh no, now I'm now I'm one of these birthday assholes. Now I've got <laughs> I got a friend flying in for my fucking birthday. He's, he's come before. Yes. It's not like. Sure, he's, he comes once. If a, it weren't your birthday, he still would have come. Well, not in the winter. Usually, he makes a summer sojourn up up here. But with a uh, automobile, that, this was my, the first yeah, time flew. flying. Any, in. Uh, any fun uh, stand-up style stories about your <laughs> about your flight up and back? Uh, mostly, I'm going to do the sitting down. Uh, yes. So, uh, you know, I, I live in Atlanta, and we have a pretty big airport. Uh, that I've gotten very used to, and I think every airport is more or less that. Like, I mean, going from Atlanta to Washington D.C. and New York and L.A., they're all kind of like big. And uh, yeah, this, you fly this to major the, cities. Yes. Uh, so this was the first time flying into like a, a, a smaller airport, and there's there's literally nothing there. It's just like as soon as I got <laughs> out of the plane. I- it's, I mean, what is it? Is it is it like six gates? Or like six four gates. or six gates or something yeah. like that, right? It, yeah. It is. Whenever I pick someone up at that airport that's never flown out of it, they're like, all right, where do I meet you? Yeah. And I'm like, okay, just walk outside. And they're like, all right. Abe was like, I'm wearing my Georgia sweatshirt. <laughs> just like, yeah, I know. It, I, you're... I'm going to find you real easy. It's one of my favorite things because you don't know when you're on the airplane. Like, no, you're walking like into a, like something smaller than a grocery store. Like I'll find you. It's real easy. It's very, very small. Um, And and this is uh, one of the few occasions where I had uh, to go outside to get on the plane. You know, most of the places I go to are just you know, all indoors uh, from right. The, usually, you get on the little uh, the gangway that like yeah. the jetway that they roll right up to the plane door, and you never like once you walk into the airport, you never see the outside air again until you're uh, in the next city that you're going to. But with the smaller planes, they don't they don't roll the jetway around. It's, it's right. It's like traveling <laughs> like a traveling by private plane with. Only the bad parts yes. of traveling by private plane, which includes like having to walk through the potential weather to get into the plane. And then it's just a shitty commercial flight after that. Right. You know, uh, I don't know if, if uh, other of you have experienced this, but I'm sure you have. Uh, once every once in a while, uh, when we land wherever we're landing in, the flight attendant will say, hey, like a handful of you have a pretty tight window to connect uh-huh. to something. So everybody, let's not be an asshole. 
let's let those people clear and right. then the rest of you leave. It's a very right. simple if ask. If, if Atlanta is your final destination, yeah. please yeah. allow the connecting people to get off first. Right. And and, right. and so I had such an experience on Sunday. First of all, my flight was delayed ever so slightly, like by 20 minutes. There were a few other people at, at the bar where everybody just kind of congregating that had hours long delay. So like there were a lot of delays and, and the, the two people that had a couple hours delay, they were talking through their connecting options. And basically right. like if this is 30 more minutes, I'll just have to call it a night here. I don't want to get stuck, you know, in Atlanta or wherever. And, and so you, you're thinking there, there's people like that on this plane in Atlanta. And as soon as it's ready to, you know, I guess whenever they open the door, you see a number of people going forward, uh, and there's no enforcement with this, right? This is just like a right. honor code. And there's so like a, a, a very quickly covers up all of his Atlanta <laughs> gear that he's wearing, and then <laughs> hustles out of the plane, That's right? right? <laughs> oh no, no, yeah, don't worry. I, I wear shirts like this; it doesn't mean anything. No, right. uh, there's this like thing where people just start looking at each other. They're like, "There's no way." Like no one says it, but there's like this. There's no way all of these people are connecting anywhere they're taking advantage right and the whole right. system slowly collapses at least every time this happened there's a collapse on that original plan and and then you have just people just standing up and and basically blocking obstructing anyone behind them to proceed you can, you can almost imagine somebody like from the back of the plane saying hey where you i know that motherfucker he's from decatur <laughs> sit the fuck down like, I, I don't even get it though because if i'm Anywhere, I yeah. don't want to stand in line yes. when I could not be. But that's even what, if it just means that's what, not. That's like, what they're trying to avoid. Is no, they but they—they're in a line now. If you just sit, right. then you're not in line. You're sitting there. Yeah. Also, the way, small, there's like forty people. What is it? Twenty-five people it, on this flight. Yeah, like, what are we it's talking not about? Very, I mean, sure, it's more than that. I was like on the 18th row, and I was basically like two from the end, right? So it was on a very long yeah, plane. But this always happens, and I always find it uh, funny because, like, there's there's always like a run. Initially, it starts off okay. I'm gonna restrain myself, and I think it's basically even if people would otherwise not mind waiting, uh, there's just something about somebody else kind of like cutting. Right, the, the the notion of fairness yeah. starts to creep in, and then well, people... also these planes, like if if you're in the window and I'm in the aisle and you have a flight you need to get to immediately, yeah. I have to move to, myself. Yeah, me, yeah. I'm not going to go in front of you. Right. I'm going to let you go in front of me, but now I'm just standing there right. like an asshole. Right. Anyway, we shouldn't fly anymore is really the answer. We should no, just stop doing great. this. How long, I mean, you got here. What were you door to door? Door to door getting to Charlottesville was four hours and five the other way and, and partly the the back way is because of the delay and I rode Marta instead of just uh, taking an Uber. I took an Uber there. Gotcha. Uh, coming. But yeah, it, I mean, it, this on the road takes about eight hours. And so this is cut in half. But like, again, if you don't like driving, then I can understand the benefit. I, I do prefer to drive just because like, well, I'm not in any hurry. I got plenty of days to uh, burn through any, you know, right. government. If I was year. like going, like, I think that if I'm going somewhere, like, say, for example, the tables returned and I was going to visit you for the weekend and like, I'm going to get there. I'm going to get on a subway or otherwise catch a ride to your place. I don't have to worry about driving. Like, it's just 
Literally, right. it's just being someone else is responsible for right. my transport door to door. Like right. that removes a great deal of stress for me. I, I I don't find flying stressful in the way that some other people do. And <laughs> like the the notion of being able to get to the airport. Oh, look, there's the bar. I'll grab a beer, watch the football game. Like that that appeals to me. And just the idea that I get in the plane and I'm in the air for 45 or 55 minutes or something like that. And I'm in this whole other part of the country is just, uh, remains to me yeah, an, an I incredible miracle. I think I don't like, like not only the hassle and the fact that things are always delayed and uncomfortable, not, not to mention that I, I don't like being so far away so quickly. I like that, oh. like, driving and on a train, you get there gradually. Right. You're like, okay, yeah. now I'm in South Carolina. Yeah. Okay, yeah. now yeah. I'm... Get, I don't yeah. like that it's like, it's been just an hour and I'm a whole other place. We had a blast, though. I never liked it. It was we lovely having you here on uh, yeah, Friday yeah, night. Fun. We hung out, watched uh, Back to the Future 2 with the kids. On Saturday, we dropped the kids off with my dad. And then drove to this hike. We did Crabtree Falls. Crabtree Falls hike. It was a lovely, almost two miles up the mountain uh, along a, a waterfall path up to the top there, and then back down again. Cold, but but very pretty. Not too yeah. cold. Yeah, I mean for late January, it's like perfect. No, yeah, it was very nice. And then we came home and like drank a whole bottle of whiskey that night yeah. after ordering some pizza and got just fabulously rip roaring drunk. And uh, then how'd you feel the next day yeah. though? As drunk as I've been in actual years, probably is how drunk I was. And yeah, I took a we all took the Z biotics before we got started. And I was tired because we didn't go to bed until like it what was, was three. like after three in the morning yeah. or something. And then of course the my sleeping brain is not as uh it's not as good at sleeping as yours is, Abe. Oh. I know that you can. Abe just is the best sleeper. Knock off I don't and think just people know. Sleep. I, Abe I, is the best at sleeping. I, I've lost a step or two since my peak years, but uh, mm. I can, yeah, I can still sleep. But yeah, I'm a because I'm so accustomed to the, like it's it's very difficult for me to truly sleep in past like eight o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And then you the, did though? Not really. The dog started whining. I yeah, got up. Yeah, but then at, you went back to sleep. Yeah, and I can doze, but it's not like it's a real sleep in the way that sleep is. Sleep, no, and you, you know? drank alcohol, so you weren't sleeping well. Right. So I didn't sleep a bunch, but I didn't feel like shit at all. Like I actually, at, when I woke up at eight, I was like, "Holy shit, I feel amazing!" And that was the part of that was just like I don't know what like it's that adrenaline rush of waking up probably and just like I don't have that. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I didn't feel, and I, I thought it was like fake juice. At eight in the morning, I was like, okay, I'm still wasted. That's the problem. And when I wake back up again after, uh, like, going after taking the dog out and laying down, I was worried that I was going to wake up and then I would feel the effects of the hangover. Right. But I didn't. I, I felt a little tired, but basically none the worse for wear. And uh, Z Biotics is. Uh, it's a miracle drug. Right. <laughs> I told you. I told you. What was impressive uh, about the, the uh, Z-Biotic thingy is that we didn't even give it the full runway that they recommend, right? Didn't they, like, take it earlier in the day? Like, no, I think no, we no. took it, like, no, we take did. it to between 0 and 120 minutes before you start drinking. We, uh, we, we took we the shot like and then immediately zero. started. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, it was there was not a no, lot of time. as long as it's yeah. before. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it should be before is the idea. Right. But no, yeah, that's great. Uh, but, but yeah, the full endorsement of the CIB podcast, I think, is is this what the Z-Biotics gets. And then uh, we hung out and watched the football games uh, until halftime of the first one anyway, when you had to 
Very poorly planned. But, I mean, I know I, I said thank you to you guys for uh, setting this all up and right. good job for yeah. coming and all that. But we could have been a little bit better organized right. in terms of the, the scheduling. So, and we could have watched the games together. That's <laughs> fine. I'm not complaining. You know, I take what I can get. <laughs> on that point, you know, so on the way, you know, uh, on the way up, uh, I was upgraded from like uh, uh, the back to the front uh, for, because of some reason. I was like, oh, nice. Ooh, uh, upgrades. And on the way back... You know, yes, there was this issue with the timing, but like it all just worked out, at least on, on my end, perfectly. Like, watch the first full half at your place at halftime. You drove me to the airport. I watched the rest of the game and the 20 some odd minute delay that, uh, not that it mattered because the game was uh, not very that good. It was a crap game, yeah. Yeah. But basically, they, they started boarding like as soon as the game was final, and so nice. and then I go home. Maybe the maybe the pilots were Eagles fans, <laughs> and they were in the bar with you watching the game in I, disguise or something. I wouldn't be surprised. F funny thing, uh, you you should mention uh, that the, the people that were uh, delayed for a few hours, they were wearing their Eagle stuff and they're watching the game uh, with some interest. And you know, I unlike others can call a game pretty early, you know, when you kind of see it, especially in this right. game, right? And so they were concerned about the outcome. They're like, oh, can never take anything for granted, blah, blah, blah. And did, was, you, did you drop an insurmountable no, lead on these strangers? I did no? not. But I did say, like, have you noticed the other quarterback can't throw the ball at all? Like, I mean, <laughs> like, at all? They're, and they're like, yeah, but right. you never know. It's like, no, this game is over. You'll be all right. Uh, also, did you notice that they're coached by Kyle Shanahan and... It's just not going to That's right, it's yeah. Although it's not his fault. It's like every single quarterback no, he's had on no. the roster, something went wrong with him. I guess it is to their credit, I, I guess. But uh, the the funny thing about interacting with Philadelphia people is when you'll say something that's not like a necessarily a positive, but they take great pride in it. Like I was like, hey, is it true that they're actually greasing the polls? You know, I'm reading this saying. Right. And the response is like an enthusiastic yes, and they're going to yeah. come up with a, a way around it. Like they just take, It's like some civic pride in just being like degenerate. So. When the game ended, did the drunk Philadelphia fans climb any nearby light standards? <laughs> no, they did not. <laughs> no. Whatever. I'm proud of Stetson Bennett for getting drunk in Dallas. That's right. Because he's my quarterback. Yeah, what a dope. If, if, if this were a conspiratorial show, we would obviously think that this was a politically motivated uh, hatchet by the Texas people for having lost, but no. I mean, I think that's pretty clear. I don't think it requires any sort of deep conspiracy. <laughs> Anyway, that Eagles game sucked. The quarterback, your your boy Brock Purdy, who you think is going to win like six titles or something. That's right. Well, five uh, now. Now five. <laughs> uh, injured his injured his wrist while getting the. Although the game was, it didn't look like they were really going to get much going anyway. But he injured. He hurt himself early, and had to go out in favor of Josh Johnson. Who I did not know and was still yes, in the league. Yes. Yes, that Josh Johnson, the one who was drafted by the Bucks in like. I don't know, 2003 or something? Yeah. It was a very long time ago when Josh Johnson first entered the league. And, yeah, not very good, uh, predictably enough. And then they and then he got concussed. Yes. Uh, so they had to bring back in the guy with the hurt wrist. So, or else or else just run the offense through, like, direct snaps to Debo Samuel. And at that point, it didn't matter anyway. What's, so. what's interesting is that, uh, you know, uh, the— Purdy could not throw the ball. Like, I think after the game, they were saying that not even five yards could he throw it uh, if he wanted to. And so the only reason why he's there is just to kind of give a flimsy mirage of, like, a threat, like, well, downfield. Right. Because if they put, like, their emergency, like, quarterback, I don't know who that would be, Debo maybe or someone, uh, you know, it'll be 11. You just put, you just put 
all 11 guys <laughs> yes. in the box and tackle <laughs> the guy with the ball. Yeah. They, they pretty much were doing that. But uh, so far, I mean, there's only one game left, but this has been a very underwhelming uh, uh, playoffs as far as just yeah. neutral fan. The playoffs interest. should just be the Bengals and the Chiefs playing over and over again, as yes. far as I can tell. Well, uh, you throw the, they seem to be the be. only good football games. <laughs> there was, uh, I, you know, they cleaned it up afterwards, but uh, I watched this game uh, when I got back. So, I, you know, I, I uh, it was all on, on delay. Uh, so this was like at like midnight when I was watching this. But there was a sequence in the fourth quarter where the Chiefs were giving a second, third down just be- Such bullshit. Right. It was very confusing uh, watching it live because the announcers didn't even realize exactly what was happening until it had happened. And they're like, hang on, did we lose it down? We yeah. had fourth. Are we wrong not, or are not, they wrong? Not only uh, uh, the, the broadcasting crew did not know, but the teams themselves were all operating under the thinking that this was the fourth down. You know, right. they switched to their special team units. Uh, and, and, and when it went the other way, I was thinking, all right. Later on, they kind of show the very tepid, like, attempt at, like, uh, this play is dead. Like, that was a terrible effort by that ref, that random ref. But what if this was a touchdown, right? Right. Would they blow their uh, – I mean, would they go with it and say we got to do that no, again? I mean, either way, it's a game-changing play. Right. I mean, you get to – like, if it, whether it was a conversion or a touchdown or a failed, you know, attempt as it ended up being. Yeah. I mean – it was bad, and that was like the tenth thing in that game that had gone against the Bengals. Yeah. Like it felt like watching that game, that everything was being arranged. I mean, not that I'm right. a conspiracy nut or anything along those lines, nor do I. But sometimes you watch a game, and it's not about any top-down control being executed by the NFL or the refs or anything. It's just the breaks frequently pile up on one side or the other. And watching that game, it felt like, for the most part, the breaks were going the Chiefs way, and then it that continues to the very last play of the very last offensive play of the game. That guy who yeah. did the penalty showing him after the game that was a for cruel. like, yeah, it that will stick with me as much as Damar Hamlin almost yeah. dying. <laughs> they had like, a I am as traumatized <laughs> by both things, just like, what the fuck, you guys, right? So, so the, the play in question is. Uh, Patrick Mahomes uh, goes on a long scramble to collect a first down, and as he's running himself out of bounds, and this 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 is at like what the forty five yard line or something yeah. like across With like acro- ten seconds left. right across yeah. midfield. There's he he goes out, and there are eight seconds left on the clock as he crosses the boundary, and as he puts his second foot down, he gets kind of punched in the shoulder by the trailing linebacker. Who and it sends him sprawling. I don't think he flopped or anything. It's just sort of yeah. a combination no, of natural momentum, a- and he shouldn't have touched him, obviously. But it's one of those plays that, like, if they don't throw the flag and they just say that was minimal contact and, like, you happen to fall down, like, you, if you're the Chiefs, you can't be too pissed about it if they don't right. throw the flag. Right. Like, I understand why they did it, but that's that's fucking tough because uh it it was a late hit but only only by that one little split second it's not like it was egregious or it certainly wasn't like unnecessary roughness and not in the, in the non rule book version of it it wasn't unnecessary roughness right uh, and um and he, you feel took bad a, for the guy uh, um a very low probability field goal attempt you know it, it likely would have been a 
overtime kind of situation were it not for the 15 well, they yards. Probably, yeah. They probably have to run one more play, and they had time to do it. Yeah. Like you would, it might if, have had the same exact outcome. Because right. it wouldn't have right. felt like it was all one guy's yeah. fault. They get the first down there with a few seconds, with enough time on the clock to run another play. And if you run a play and it goes for 10 or 15 yards, which is not improbable given what, this, what, what Mahomes has proven that he can do in his career— then it's the same field goal after all. Right. There, uh, there's defi- but they didn't have to bother. They just ran the field goal unit out there right, right afterwards. There, there's definitely footage of the production crew with the deciding guy saying, go to him again. He's crying. Like, you know, like right. they kept <laughs> a, going back to him again and again. What's the opposite it's, of a – what's the media award? Pulitzer? Like an Emmy? Yeah. What's the opposite of an Emmy? Yeah. A negative – like – Bad television. Like a Razzie for, for television. I mean, yeah, but like, you have what? to do it. I'm sorry. They, they, they no, they have to do it times. once. They don't have to linger for minutes, several minutes. You can see the you know Kristoff uh, in the movie uh, The Truman Show when he's he's up in the moon and he's like orchestrating everything. He's bringing up the music and he's getting all teary eyed and he's like <gasps> he's like give it to me and that's the guy in the CBS truck who's he's going all right all right give me what, what was the guy is it like Osai or something well, yeah or, Osai yeah yeah. yeah. It's he's like okay okay back on Osai back on okay Nance Nance quiet Nance okay bring bring me the music give me give me give me the crowd mic I want to hear the cheering I want to hear the cheering in on his tears in uh, yeah. in on his tears show them glistening in the lights all right now to Kelsey now to Kelsey Burrowhead my ass Burrowhead my ass <laughs> jabroni that's, that's right. Uh, what a glorious, glorious end of that game. And, uh, you know, Joe Burrow will be back. The Bengals will be back. I'm not, I don't feel too bad for the Bengals. They're a good team. But I wanted the Chiefs to win, and I'm but glad that they did. Someone had to lose the game. Someone had to lose. Also, by the way, I demand further investigation into this matter. The final score 23 to 20. Yes. This game was 20 to 20 with like a whole fucking quarter to go, and I couldn't get to the over. Yes. Uh, that was. That was. Not, I thought I was. I would have cashed out if I had known, obviously, that I was going to lose this bet. I would have cashed out oh, yeah. uh, considerably that been earlier an when it looked move. really obvious that we were going to hit the number, and I was going to hit both of my bets for the obviously. Uh, being the great subsistence better that I am, I hit my morning, my my early bet, and then and missed the late bet, uh, and that's fine. I ended up in the black for the day, but so they kicked that field goal and. Because there's eight seconds on the clock and only takes four or five seconds for a field goal to happen, there were three seconds left, right? And yeah. so there's a time for the the goofy NFL squib kick thing that they always do when they want to bleed clock time, right. and the guy picks it up, and we're going to have a crazy band is on the field moment, potentially. The ball is recovered by the Chiefs, yeah. and it's not clear to me that the guy was down at any point. So the the Chiefs guy gets the ball and he's running towards the end zone. And I keep hearing whistles. I'm like, why are we blowing yeah. whistles? This guy might end up accidentally stumbling into the end zone here and get us to 49 po- total <laughs> points. And that would be the over, by the way. And I, I, I demand I an investigation. I think because the ball this hit the ground. Yeah. The ball's allowed to hit the ground. It was a fumble. It, they were trying to lateral all over the place. And then somehow they blew a whistle. And it's not clear to me that the guy was ever down. It's bogus. Yeah, they should look into that and not the other 
oversights. Yeah, that's what they need to look into. <laughs> Not all of this stuff about the bad calls by the referees. Which, oh, also, you don't want to kick a guy while he's down if his name is Osai. Yeah. But if his name is Eli Apple and oh. he, uh, <laughs> he has a terrible oh. holding call, called a, or a, a very stupid decision to, to hold a guy on a critical moment in the game, then you definitely do want to kick a guy while he's down. And that happened to Eli Apple at the end of that game. A, yeah. A brutal call that should have ended a drive for the Chiefs but did not. Yeah, that was a rough uh, a sequence of events for, for, the, for the Bengals. Yeah. They'll be back. Yeah. All right, so we got the Eagles and the Chiefs. The game will be played as we, as we were sitting in the living room the other day trying to remember what Arizona City the game was going to be played Glendale. in. Glendale. And we named, we named literally all of the Arizona cities except Glendale. And so when I Googled it uh, up, it was like, oh, Glendale is the one. And that's where the Super Bowl is going to be. The Eagles, I believe, are the early, uh, is it like two points, yeah. two and a half points favorite in this points. game? That's about right, right? Two weeks away, we're going to make our, make our last picks next week. But what uh, what's your early lean on this game, Abe? You know, I... Every time I watch the Eagles play, I'm like, they're, they're not that good. And then they're always, like, winning by a lot. I, I mean, yeah, they, they, they had no quarterback challenge last week, and they played your G-Man the week before that. Uh, but still, I mean, they're comfortable wins uh, on their way to the Super Bowl. Uh, and so we'll see how it goes. I don't, I don't know. I have no real sense of things. Uh, I, I do know over the next two weeks, there'll be a, a lot of obnoxious, oh, the Andy Reid coached these two teams and uh, a brother versus brother. And there's a Kelsey on both in teams. In more ways than one. You know, they have the two actual brothers and then the the two black Ooh. brothers, you know. Yes, we do. Wait, you know, the racial angle. So they, Dave wants to play up the racial <laughs> angle of the quarterbacks. So apparently, it's the first oh. time the starting quarterbacks are both black. Um, and so, you know, brother versus brother. Oh, can we get a good Super Bowl? We've had some lame yes, Super Bowls. Yes, we have had some. Maybe we will because, like I said, the, the entire playoffs was kind of shit, so... Yeah, the, the playoffs Super Bowl have been last better. year was good, wasn't it? The Rams? No, no, it wasn't good. I, thought, I remember it being kind of good. Wasn't no, it? it was not good. It didn't it stand was... that as good. No, it wasn't that good. Oh, that's right. It was a bad game, but it was close at the yeah. end. Yeah, that's then, what I'm saying. Yeah, it wasn't it good. Was. That was an ugly ass game, and then the Rams put on a a good last drive or something. All right. Uh, yeah, I hope it's a good game. My early lean is to the Chiefs. I don't believe in this Eagles team. I know that they killed the Giants a couple weeks ago, uh, but the Giants are bad. And then this week, like, they didn't look very good. Hurts didn't look very good. The The offense, I know eventually they they scored a ton right. of points, so it's weird to say they didn't look very good. But, but this Niners team had its spirit broken when its quarterback went down, and it just wasn't going to happen. And then it's other quarterback, and then it's other quarterback. And it ended up uh, not mattering, but uh, speaking of uh, shoddy ref work, uh, or the, the the team should have challenged this, but uh, the, the, very early on, the very first touchdown where uh, Devontae Smith, I uh, think, was the one that was on the receiving end. Like the ball it, is not completed. Like there wasn't a completion, uh, but like you couldn't tell. Right, he makes the catch sliding on the right. ground, and it and when you finally see an angle of it that is that gives you where the ball was, you can see how it dragged on the ground right. before he finally an, an secured angle, it. An right. angle, by the at least from what I remember, was. Only available to the viewer until after, right? All the all the replay they showed in the moment uh, was inconclusive. Like you couldn't really tell what was going on. But right. whenever the receiver is like, let's uh, snap the ball, or like he's doing some right. sort of when hand he, gesture. When he stands up yeah. and frantically runs to the new line of yeah. scrimmage or whatever, and starts demanding like, yeah, go, yeah. go 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 go, that's no, when that's you throw the, the red challenge it. flag. Like yeah. I said to people in the room. If I were the coach, it would be a thing we practice every day. 
is getting reset and snapping the ball before they can look at the right. replay. Because <laughs> what you want to do though, I think there is more opportunity there. You want to you want to fake like you're really worried that they're going to overturn it when you're positive yeah, to burn that you their, did in yeah. fact make the catch, and so you like hysterically and frantically go and you're like, "Oh, come on, come on, come on! We gotta we gotta hike it now!" And the other coach gets all flustered and just throws yeah. the flag before anybody upstairs can get a look at no, the replay. You're overthinking. No, 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 no that's, that's what you do. Yeah. It's just like when you sneak in the tight end. No, that's what you it's do. When you, like you, when when you on sneak a in the Mary, tight end. You th- make the tight end run the ball in from the fifty yard line. Yeah. You're bad at coaching football. No, good, great, great <laughs> football mind here. Uh, I'm looking forward to the game, of course, and then the sports goes dark for a few weeks, yeah. uh, a couple months really, until the baseball season starts, which is I'm, yeah. it's fine. It's nice. good. We'll watch movies. Uh, let's see. That's football. I suppose we should talk about Tyree Nichols on Friday night. There had been a great deal of uh, sort of build up and lead up to the release of this video by the police down there in Memphis. I'm sure we don't need to give you the outline of the story, but uh, very quickly, there's a a little while back, Tyree Nichols, 29-year-old, was pulled over on suspicion of reckless driving is the thing that the police said in their report. And uh, long story short, he gets uh, rather viciously beaten and pepper sprayed and kicked and all of the rest and eventually succumbs to his injuries while in the hospital and dies. And shortly thereafter, uh, much more expediently than is usually the case, the Memphis Police Department fires those five officers who are primarily responsible for the beating. And then a week, I believe, after they were fired, they are brought up on second-degree murder charges. And then we waited a little while while they prepared us to release the video, which was a combination of body cam footage that, by the way, didn't start until after the altercation had began. So there's no video of him before he gets pulled over. So there's no – we have to sort of take the word of the five murderers. As to, as to why they pulled him over, because for some reason they didn't have dash cams going, which strikes me as kind of not acceptable. Uh, dash cam technology being like fairly ubiquitous and very easy to maintain. I mean, the pri- private citizens have – there are lots of private people just running around with constantly recording dash cams. Right. I don't know why the police don't have them. Uh, that at least saved the last hour in case anything interesting on, has happened. Uh, or we, or they do, and they're right, lying. yeah. So on, on that point, I do wonder if it's what Lori says. Uh, you know, there was a, a, some recording, uh, and it's not being made available. But the the other possibility is that you know people have to use the bathroom or whatever. So I wonder if there's like a mechanism that's like an on off. So like when you're actively doing a thing, it's up to the police officers to turn it on. I mean that's. Uh, you know, you're opening yourself up to body a, cam to stuff. Abuse. Sure, fine, yeah. but these guys. Are, this is a an elite unit uh, with uh, unmarked police cars, whose job is to preemptively go out there and pull over suspicious-looking fuckers and basically toss cars in order to look for guns and right. drugs. They should have something like a constant and always-on dash cam uh, that can be referenced. And I mean, 
whatever. Who knows if that would have? It's it probably wouldn't have helped. It doesn't well, I matter. Mean, the, the, anyway, it, it, was, it would at it, least uh, clarify. Like, was this you know indeed what they said it was the reason why they pulled them over, or was this just like a fishing expedition? They were just like, well, let's pull them right. over because you know this scorpion unit. Unit, I guess it's like uh, they cover like high, uh, very high crime area, and so maybe they. I don't know what their procedure is to where they just kind of harass anyone that comes through there or not. But yeah, I mean, if there was footage of what happened before, we could at least determine whether or not they're lying about why they pulled them over in the first place. The footage that was released was a combination of body cam footage and a, like a traffic camera that was overlooking the intersection and that the sort of bird's eye view of it gives a, I mean, it's all very disturbing, obviously, uh, and I don't know how much of it you ended I, up watching. I know that- I have not. Well, I, I watched very little of what they showed on the CBS Morning Show, whatever they, they were there. But I haven't watched the whole thing. I watched that NFL player cry from guilt instead. Yeah, it's uh, it's difficult to watch. It is as difficult to watch as the as the Floyd one was in a different sort of way. The Floyd one obviously is like it's it's much more of a slow moving sort of horror movie feel to it because of the fact that you know the end of the story yeah. more than anything else, right? Like the it's not in itself wrenching. I mean, it is because you know the end yeah. of the story, but like again, it, it's not as explicitly violent and in your face nauseating. Except for the fact that you know the end of the story. I'm not trying to say one is worse than the other. But the fact that this one is a guy, it's five on one, and they're just beating the shit out of him for an extended period of time. And they keep hitting him with pepper spray. And there's a a very good piece that the Times put together. And I complain about the Times all the time, and rightfully so. But they also have at their command, you know, a very big – they're a big operation and they're able to dedicate lots of resources to this sort of story. And so they put together something that – the headline is 71 commands in 13 minutes. Officers gave Tyree Nichols impossible orders. And they go sort of scene by scene of this video that the police released and they talk about how he's given – contradictory and impossible to follow orders and then suffers violent consequences for his failure to quote unquote follow those orders right like because they're functionally impossible to follow and he's he comes off as like meek and supplicating and trying like very clearly trying to figure out what the fuck they want him to do so that he doesn't have to go on enduring this abuse. And instead the abuse continues and it's just absolutely terrible to watch. And, and it's, it's, it is, it's watching a a gang of like, you can't call these people anything but a gang of thugs. They are a, a violent enforcement mob with the imprimatur of the state and they're beating the shit out of this guy for no reason except that they can. I don't recommend right. that anybody watch it, but I guess I guess some people believe there's a you have some sort of moral duty to do I, yeah. so, and maybe you do. I'm not sure. I, about yeah, I never that. understood that. Uh, I think it's imperative that you understand what happened, but you don't have to consume like gruesome video. You know, like back when uh, ISIS and and Al Qaeda were, were beheading people, I had no interest in watching that. Like it's not like I would right. be more informed to actually see somebody. BB headed, but what's chilling about these sort of videos is how the, there's this tendency to like try to set up the person to fail, right? With these 
conflicting command, you're setting them up to fail, right? With escalating the violence, you're you're setting up the person to like try to stop that from happening. So there was like in the description, like you know, he ran away. There was like this pursuit, right? Right. He he does. He runs right. away after he's been beaten into near submission and isn't sure what the fuck is going on. Like I don't know how you expect any human to do anything besides run away in that scenario. Like. Uh, comply with the beating that's going to continue until yeah, morale it, it, improves it, it, like that's that's what you're asking me to do is to just sacrifice what is what seems to be a mortal assault on my being right. and that that like you fucking piece of and i saw and who knows if it's if it's just trolling or what it is but you see these people in the comment section or on twitter of every single one of these articles and they're like if he had just right. complied he wouldn't be dead now and it's like i don't know how you right. can come to that conclusion after watching this video like if if he doesn't run then i think they're just going to continue to beat the right. shit out of him and, anyway. and, and, and that's what that, that's what's troubling is that they are literally creating the environment that they want you know like if you want to get away with beating somebody up you're just going to continue you're going to uh, increase the, the 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 pain uh and you're gonna either you know somebody would uh fight back or flee right or you, something, anything to stop what's happening, right? And both of those will be seen as resisting arrest or not surrendering. You know, like everything will be, you know, if, if you want to make this claim, you can say, well, they did A, B, and C. But like if somebody's constantly beating you despite you trying to diffuse the situation, lower the temperature, like, you know, early on from the clips that I did see, like he would kind of kind of say, whoa, whoa, easy. Like, let's, you know, I'm doing what you want me to do. Like telling them, I'm trying to comply. My intention is to comply, and and still they're they're beating him. And then later on, they're if somebody has your hand pinned behind your back and they're yelling at you, "Give me your hand!" Like, yeah. what? <laughs> right. What? 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 What is the next? You have my hands. What am I supposed right. to do? Like you have me pinned by one hand and you have me uh, face in the asphalt with my other arm pinned underneath me. I can't give you my hands. That's impossible. Right. It's awful. I recommend further that people read the article, Tyree Nichols' death proves yet again that elite police units are a disaster. It's by Radley Balco. I think he's a libertarian-leaning type who writes a lot about police overreach and the, the violence of the state. Uh, but this is in the New York Times. I'll make, make sure there's a, a link in the show notes. He says here, uh, in 2021, as homicides in the city soared, the city announced the formation of the Street Crimes Operation to Restore Peace in Our Neighborhoods, or Scorpion. The teams, which included four groups of 10 officers each, would saturate crime hotspots in the city in unmarked cars and make pretextual traffic stops to investigate homicides, aggravated assaults, robberies, and carjackings. The Scorpion program has all the markings of similar elite police teams around the country assembled for the broad purpose of fighting crime, which operate with far more leeway and less oversight than do regular police officers. Some of these units have touted impressive records of arrests and gun confiscations, though those statistics don't always correlate with a decrease in crime. But they all rest on the idea that to be effective, police officers need less oversight. That is a fundamental misconception. In city after city, these units have proven that putting officers in street clothes and unmarked cars, then giving them less supervision, an open mandate, and an intimidating name shatters the community trust that police forces require to keep people safe. Right. Sounds like G.I. Joe, Scorpio. Also, the, the elite... 
thing is a bit of a misnomer, right? It's not like it's just like the cream of the crop. It's just like you're applying a very low standard to this elite team. It's just like a bunch of assholes are volunteering to get away with things, right? It sounds like that's what they were. They were know. all they were all twenty four to thirty two year old right. dudes. They were all so they're young, they're inexperienced, and they have a hankering for. They want to be in this shit. Yeah. Right, for being out there and mixing it the fuck up. And I don't know what – I don't pretend to be any sort of an expert in any of this stuff, but I don't know what virtue there is in is sending out a bunch of people in unmarked cars to do stop and frisks of cars basically right. is what it comes down to, to, to just pull over people who, who you think are – might be doing something wrong in the hopes of finding guns and drugs and – I mean, again, you can look at crime seems to be one of those things uh, with, with some notable examples accepted. It, it moves in in sort of moods in the way that the, like whatever's going on in the nation is what happens with crime. And in the last two years of the pandemic, there had been a, a spike in violent crime and they were seeing it uh, sort of drop here in recent months. And of course, the police want to credit the scorpion unit with the fall of that recent crime wave but it's almost certainly not that and i i don't obviously you start getting into what makes these guys think and you're doing stupid mind reading games and you're and you're trying to imagine the inner psychological state of these police but i don't think it's so much of a stretch to say like uh, you're going to be an elite team. We're going to give you this badass name, and you're going to go out there in street clothes and explicitly crack some skulls. Like it, it, it's almost like the James right. Bond thing. Like it's like a license. It, not that it's a license to kill, but it's that sort of attitude about we're we're giving you all of this additional power above and beyond the normal power that we give regular police, and we expect a little more out of you, and we give you a little more little more right. leeway. And it's it's silly that the branding of it is what bothers me, but it really is. Like when you call it fucking Scorpion, like, like what are you trying yeah. to say there? Because the branding, in fact, matters. And what you're trying to say there is not this is going to be a community outreach group that really cares about keeping the right. streets safe. No, this is a fucking predator that uses its tail to sting even when it's not in its own best interest. It just lashes out violently, yeah. right? Like that's what scorpions do. Uh, you know, we usually do this at the end of the the show, but like uh, I would I would strongly recommend uh, people list, uh, watch uh, David Simon's "We Own the City." Like it's on HBO. Uh, it's basically a six part show about something that actually happened, and it was in Baltimore, uh, not Memphis. But it it is kind of similar in where it's like this elite, you know, quote unquote unit. They weren't called the Scorpion. They had some other name. Uh, but they were doing whatever they want. Basically, they were using this, you know, uh, unit uh, as cover to commit crimes, like deliberate crimes. Like in this case, you know, maybe they were just upset that the person wasn't responding in the way they wanted to. And they're like, we'll just do whatever we want and we'll come up with a story later. But in the Baltimore uh, story, they are going around and they're stealing from uh, people who have drugs. They are stealing people's cards. They're just doing anything because they think they can get away with it. So yeah, re- recommend watch uh, We Own the City. But I do wonder if uh, you know Memphis disbanded this elite team. I wonder if there's going to be a ripple effect, right? Because it's not just in Memphis and Baltimore. I'm sure other cities have some sort of unit where basically it's like, you know, there's public outcry and uh, just do what it what needs to be done. Basically, there's it's almost like this unspoken thing, like what people say, like we just don't want any crime, so I just we want to see the numbers down. How you go about doing that? 
you know, go about doing it. You know, there's no like specific direction that like we need crime to go down. And generally what will happen is they'll, they'll come up with these goofy units uh, to go in and just kind of like harass the community, uh, do these dragnet policies, just, you know, ruin people's lives. Right. Balco points to a couple of examples, including one in Chicago. It says a decade earlier, Chicago created the Special Operations Section, or SOS, in response to rising crime in that city. By the mid-2000s, whistleblowers and official investigations accused SOS officers of armed robbery, drug dealing, planting evidence, burglary, taxing drug dealers, and kidnapping. One member, Keith Herrera, told 60 Minutes that SOS officers pulled over motorists without cause, confiscated their keys, then broke into their homes and stole from them. The head of the unit, only one of numerous scandal-plagued elite units in the city's history, eventually pleaded guilty to hiring a hitman to kill Officer Herrera. And it was officers from the NYPD's street crimes unit, its motto, We Own the Night, who shot and killed an unarmed immigrant, Amadou Diallo, after mistaking his wallet for a gun. Though the unit was officially disbanded, later incarnations took the lead in the city's notorious stop-and-frisk policy and were implicated in some of the city's most notorious police killings, including the deaths of Eric Garner, Sean Bell, and Kamani Gray. A 2018 investigation by The Intercept found that though these units account for just 6% of NYPD officers, they were involved in more than 30% of fatal shootings by police. The street crimes units were disbanded again after the George Floyd protests in 2020, but last year, in response to its sharp rise in crime, Eric Adams restarted them. And scandals involving elite police units have also hit Indianapolis, Atlanta, Philadelphia, Newark, Pomona, Milwaukee, Greensboro, and Fresno, among others. So it seems yeah. to be a problem in city, mid-sized to major city uh, after city across this country. And uh, these these elite elite units behaving badly, and I I can't help but think that there there's something in the culture there that that makes that the case. I did want to uh, unfortunately we have to pause here as I am going to run an ad. I'm pretty sure this is a reaction to this what's been going on with these elite units and their naming conventions where you because of course scorpion what does scorpion stand for here street crimes operation to restore peace in our neighborhoods or scorpion so i mean obviously a lot of times like with the the, the usa patriot act is of course the <laughs> yeah. the classic example but there's always people are always coming up with clever ways of they call them acronyms yeah of of, of of making their their laws or their organizations sound fun, uh, but uh, apropos of nothing, here is uh, today's sponsor. Today's podcast is sponsored by from the brainiron.com family of infallible revenue generating concerns. We are proud to introduce a new after school option for all of your childcare needs. We're calling it people entrusted to dutifully entertain and responsibly attend to school aged ticklish youth. This new program will work closely with schools, educators, community leaders, and parents to enroll a cohort of the special and deserving kids who most need a place to go for those hours from the end of the school day to when mom or dad get home from work. Safe from the danger and boredom of idleness, the influence of gangs, out of reach of quick-to-violence law enforcement, and of course out of view of mandatory reporters. We are also, at this time, seeking applicants to fill a number of positions at people entrusted to dutifully entertain and responsibly attend to school-aged ticklish youth, with spots available all up and down the organizational structure, including pants checker, bathroom observer, upset parental outreach director, and dozens of spots on our in-house legal team, including lawyers, paralegals, and public relations experts. 
So come join the team here at People Entrusted to dutifully entertain and responsibly attend to school-aged ticklish youth. That's pederasty for short. And help us help our nation's most vulnerable and precious natural resource, the children. <laughs> thanks, thanks to our sponsor. Oh, anyway. What can we do, Abe? Jim Jordan goes on Meet the Press and insists that there are no laws that will make a difference here. And oddly, I don't find him to be entirely wrong. Uh, you can outlaw chokehold. You can out. I mean, as far as I know, it is uh, already illegal to beat the shit out of a restrained individual. So I'm not sure what laws on, on that regard can be uh, put into further effect. In fact, in uh, Tennessee, where all of this happened, police are already required to intervene if another officer is using excessive force in their presence. Uh, that law didn't seem to make any difference whatsoever for this uh, this group of five people uh, exhibiting murderous in intent on this uh, one already restrained individual. I'm not saying that there are no laws that can be enacted that would make a meaningful difference. They continue to insist that we should have a national database so that a bad cop in Minneapolis can't then turn around and go get a job in Savannah, something along those lines where you have a an easily accessible national database of previous law enforcement and the trouble that they got into at, at their last job. It surprises me, as I, I think I mentioned to you on Sunday, that like an outfit like DA, like the Department of Homeland Security, I'm surprised they don't have the authority to do that already. Maybe they do and they just don't take the initiative. But uh, I suppose something like that could help. Uh, and of course, there was the Policing Reforms Act that failed last year when Tim Scott and Cory Booker couldn't come to terms on their police reform bill largely over the qualified immunity hurdle. Uh, so there's things that can be done and maybe something will be done here. But I don't know. It, it, it strikes me as something that is less likely to be handled by some sort of big new national law and something that sort of just has to change. Yeah, you require psychological testing. Of like, all police? Uh, yes, Make it hard right. to become At least, yeah, a cop. In this respect, I mean, you can teach them the other stuff, but if you have shitheads, like you really can't do anything about it. Uh, I, I do think, you know, all you can do is what you can control, right? So, like, there are already laws on the books that will apply in this case, right? Like, they're being charged with something already on the books, right? The process, you know, with the Memphis police, they looked into it and they were fired. Like, so, like... The things that everyone outside of the, the, the five cops and the other people uh, associated with it, uh, everybody's doing the right things, right? But you can't, unfortunately, prevent every one of these incidents to happen. All you can do is just kind of uh, apply the existing laws, make it to where this is not, you know, like if there's a, a, any cop out there who thinks that they have some sort of impunity, like if they all get their story straight, like uh, let a story like this be example that that's not going to be the case going forward. Uh, on the hiring front, you know, if this national registry thing doesn't materialize, that's not the only path. I mean, the idea just to make it cost prohibitive for a uh police unit to hire somebody right so maybe that can be done through insurance you know like they're not going to insure something or the premium will be much larger if you if you don't do your due diligence right get it to where 
If you if you hire somebody who was fired for right. being a bad cop right. at his last job, then we're not going to pay the goddamn uh, settlement outcomes that are going to result from his ongoing right. bad. And at that cop-ness. point, then you know they, they're like, you know, it's not worth it. Let's just run a thing on him, and if something comes up, uh, then we won't hire them. I guess uh, a related issue with that though is is are they hiring these shitty cops from other departments because they're not getting enough people signing up like you think it's like a shortage of people who are uh joining the ranks of law enforcement i mean there definitely is a shortage they've been talking right. about it so basically here. they're like they're settling for these people which would be a problem what about what about some of this talk about further professionalizing the job making it making it a harder job to acquire by adding degree requirements right. or by see, degree requirements yeah stupid uh, but well, like there there are european countries that uh require like advanced degrees of their uh, like college degrees of their police the the canadians the national police force in canada the royal canadian mounted police go through 6 months they have, they have to go 26 weeks of training before they are then reassigned to like and it's not like they they don't get to pick their assignments so they don't get to just move to a place where they're like, oh, I may heard I could get on this uh, yeah. gnarly police force here, where they let the uh, the unmarked cars go out there and bash skulls in. They just get assigned after their six months of training. You know, some administrator decides where to place them. So maybe you don't require necessarily a college degree the way that some European countries do, but like six months of intense training more than we give our military seems like uh, uh, not such a bad place to start. And and obviously that requires sort of federalizing the process and and federalizing a lot of systems. Like I was yelling about in the kitchen. Sorry, federalizing is wrong. Nationalizing these things. Yeah. They don't want to do that. Yeah. They don't want to do it because they, it would work and it would, it would go against their thesis that government right. doesn't work. They will keep right. it like this. I do wonder, though, if they applied that standard would deplete the candidate pool, which is not very strong as it is. But would it deplete it, or would it replace it with a with a with yeah. a better yeah. class of people? Yeah. I mean, not. To, I mean, not to. I'm not trying to dump on all cops here, right? Like hashtag right. not all cops, but yeah, what pool? Perhaps. There are there's a class of people who are more interested in becoming cops because it requires a criminal justice degree, because it requires four years in college, because it requires six months in additional training. I don't know. I don't I don't guarantee that. And maybe maybe the size of the problem is too big. You can't actually create a whole new professional workforce out of college graduates. But but I don't know. It it, it doesn't strike me as such a terrible idea. It the problem of course, again, is that we have this system where each locality is responsible for their own shit, and it's hard to nationalize right. and, any and of it. If there's any, the, the the other problem is that if there's any uptick in crime, the public reaction will be get that under control, right? The, the, my 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 assessment is that people are more willing to overlook the fuck ups. I know, but like to me, that's like standing on the beach and watching high tide come in and being like, eh, the, the last regime didn't allow right. this fucking shit. And then like, getting right. mad at the moon for continue, like the, the, the way that t- that crime works. It, I mean, yes, in, in sort of micro instances, you can say that this policy resulted in this. And I think that there are, there are, obviously there are good police administrations and there are bad ones. But like to a certain extent, it's like this it's isn't not- fucking working. And I don't care if it gets worse for six months. Uh, we got to do something 
to make it right. better long term. And I think that, that that's the and, right approach. Again, I, the people that would care though are the the politicians who are, are going to be on the hook for whatever yeah. comes their way. And again, I think that it's worth, though it is not comfortable to say, and it doesn't feel like the right thing to say in a moment like this, it is worth pointing out the thing that you said a, a few minutes ago, which is that this was horrific and it was bad, but it was also an outlier and it was also dealt with, right? Like it was dealt with swiftly and the, the Memphis police chief appears to want to take this head on and uh, punish the responsible parties. In fact, even today, a sixth officer uh, was suspended as his uh, role in this is being uh, further investigated. So, so perhaps there will be even more charges to come. The guy who turned off the dash cam. Uh, I think it's the guy who showed up and was is the the actually he's the guy who had the very first footage of any of this. Mm-hmm. I think it was the a guy who was not part of this elite unit who showed up uh, when the right. call came in. Uh, and this guy is this fella is white. And if you read it in the in the correct papers, you see that white is is capitalized, which makes it like <laughs> it makes it so much more sinister when it says uh, the officer comma who is white. <laughs> Yeah. comma was was suspended today like with the capital w it's like jesus christ what are you yeah. what are you saying there exactly uh, i don't know maybe that's a personal problem of mine we weren't but capitalizing white i thought we were the washington capital- post uh, convention has it as a capital w uh, it depends on the outlet so again at the same time that this is horrific i think it is worth pointing out that like first of all even in a perfect system you will never solve for shitty, violent human behavior, especially when you're giving to one group of people, uh, a police force, the power and authority to fucking do what they want to do out there. Even even good cops, uh, if uh, and not again, this is where a lot of the all cops are bastards crowd. This is the sort of point that they make that the problem is not the people doing the job the problem is the nature of the job itself and that that policing shouldn't be a thing i disagree with that i think that that's absurd i think that you take the unfortunate downside of having police which i think is necessary to a healthy society is that the person doing that job is a human being and uh, you can try to to control for all of the worst human impulses that you can every now and then and obviously this happens way yes. too often now i'm not saying that it doesn't and i'm not saying this is an outlier in the way that it's a it's a one in a billion chance or anything like that it's it happens too often and it should never happen but it will happen from time to time even in a perfect system and when it does you have to deal with it the way that it's been dealt with here with no hesitation whatsoever and i don't know I don't know what an acceptable number of these anecdotes is because every time one of them happens, the same parade of people will come on the television insisting that this is because of white supremacy. This is because of intractable and unfixable problems with the system as a whole, no matter how rare the event becomes. And again, I'm not saying that it's impossibly rare now. I'm just saying that no matter how successful we are at fighting it, there will always be the outlier case that sort of proves the rule. And I don't know what you do about that either. Maybe you don't know the answer to this, but regarding the uh, all cops are bad, the ideology, is it their opinion that this job of law enforcement shouldn't be done at all? Is it their thinking that the, the, the problems that 
having law enforcement in the pro- in the first place attempts to solve will just magically take care of themselves or like a lot of them are sort of hopeless idealists who believe that the existence of a police force is what creates in the population the sort of angst and anxiety like the, um, that leads to antisocial the behavior. Harvard, Harvard prison experiment, if I have that right. Stanford is the Stanford. one you're thinking of. That it's I think like that's that. largely been sort of debunked, but I understand sure, what you're talking but about. But that right. idea where, like, if you tell a group of people you have more power, they'll go, yeah. oh, yeah? Okay. Yeah. Like, but you it's know, not like, a totally off e- it's even yeah, under it's dumb but it's not yeah, out of e- even under the best of circumstances there would be like a few years where there's a transition to where things will stabilize so they expect society to absorb the short-term increase in crime before people realize oh we can all be kumbaya like it just seems to me like right well, you probably as, have as the though, idealist as though no more cops is not just going to be a, a fucking right. three-month purge situation <laughs> no, but that's out the there. thing like you have the idealists who think well, they're only doing crime because they're told not to. And then on the other side of the same circle is the like, well, I'll take care of myself. I don't need a cop. Cops are bad. I can defend myself. This might be too in keeping with uh, sort of a policeman's ideology. But in my opinion, if you if what you want to end up with is a fascist police state, you can start by taking all of the cops off the yeah. street for six months. Yeah. And because we we simply will not, as a society, accept what will be the anarchic and chaotic outcome of there not being law enforcement out there, right? I, I, these idiots can talk about, uh, you know, community enforcement and, and just sort of social stigma and, and letting the, the local neighborhood moms or whatever shame people into good behavior. And that'll last for like uh, a day before, pe- before people are calling for the jackboots to come marching right, yeah. down the street. I mean, just because a job is being done poorly doesn't mean that what it's trying to do ideally is, the, is, is sound, like which is kind of like the ref of like society, you know, just like to keep the peace. Uh, if, if there's any uh, aid needed, you can call somebody. I mean, like, what do you do in this all cops are bad uh, alternate reality? Like, just sort it out. Like, I'm getting mugged, and it's just like ah, just like figure it out. I don't know, and I don't, I don't want to necessarily argue too much with people who I think are like just plainly absurd and also, wrong. Also, none of those people are here, right? Yeah. And none of those people are here to defend themselves. So why bother? Do you have anything uh, positive or in, in the direction of uh, prescriptive advice for what should be done here? Is, is is there any big picture idea that we should be thinking about beyond some of the reforms suggested by like the, the George Floyd Police Reform Act or something along yeah, those I think lines? There's, there's always room for improvement, but ultimately, like you know, at least in you know what where we are right now with this story uh, in Memphis, all the things, all the right things uh, that can happen are happening, right? And so, like, there's not much more you can ask for. The only thing is like wishing to control outcomes, you know, or wishing to control how other people behave, you know, because despite all of these rules already in the book saying if you do this, it's going to be severe consequence. I mean, you know, these are cops. They had jobs. They would go home, and now they're going to be in prison for a long time based on all the information that, that we see here. So, like, what was the point of this, you know? And so all, like, you can hope for is that it serves an example for the next shithead cop to say, like, even though I want to be an asshole, it's just not worth it for me. Like, if we can just prevent one right. more of these somewhere, like in Seattle or you know, Denver or whatever, then that will be a plus. But 
there's not much more you can hope for there. All right. The Biden administration today announced that the emergency status of uh, the, the COVID-19 pandemic is going to go away, I believe, in May. So Novak Djokovic, it appears, yeah. will get to play in the U.S. Open, among many other changes coming down the pike. Uh, obviously, the pandemic is not over. Uh, there are uh, still, as you said, while we were hanging out this weekend, four or 500 people a, a day dying of COVID-19. But largely, it must be said, the, the world has returned to normal despite that fact. And I think that this is just a recognition of that by the Biden administration. The biggest impact will be that there won't be funding for the free testing that's been done for many people over right. the last three years. And there won't be funding for the vaccines, presumably, unless they pass a separate authorization for the federal government to continue to pay for vaccines after May. And I was reading something last week. It was either Moderna or Pfizer saying that they were going to charge like $180 a pop for the vaccine. Like that's what the end cost is going to be. Assuming that your, I mean, your insurance will likely cover that if you have halfway decent health insurance, or at least most of it. But that's not a small amount of yeah. money. And I'm not, I'm, who knows if it impacts uh, vaccine uptake. I think that we're Everybody who wants a vaccine is already right, and one. also like if if it were kind of like a a price ten kind of thing where you don't have to pay anything additional, I don't think that would affect anything. But like if somebody has to out of pocket pay, it would probably impact how many people take it because I'm sure there's a lot of people who are younger, you know, like you know under fifty or whatever that cutoff is, and they're relatively healthy and they are just doing it just to kind of keep pace but they're like oh i don't i'm not in a high risk group so like those people will peel off anyway it, i don't i don't think it makes very much of a difference the house republicans are going to continue to pass things that like demand an end to all of these various policies effective immediately rather than waiting for them to peter out as the emergency declarations end but that won't go anywhere obviously because biden will just i mean as with everything else that gets passed out of the house uh, Republican side of things. It won't go anywhere in the Senate, largely, and then certainly Biden isn't going to sign any of that stuff. The other stuff. thing is changing is the Title 42, right? So basically the reason why they wanted this like 90-day kind of window is to kind of like so it's nothing sudden happens where there's like a a big dramatic thing, like where there's some sort of disruption somewhere. Because I think the Republicans did want it to be like immediate, and they're like, no, no, let's do it May right. 11th. Right, they wanted it to yeah. be immediate, and it, it won't be. Does this have any any effect on a five-day quarantine recommendation? No, that will continue. I think that that's not ever going to go away, Lori. I think that's that you're insane. fresh out of luck on that front. There were No, it's going to go away. They changed it at some point. They changed it from 10 to 5. Yeah, they're just, they will always say that a person who tests positive for COVID needs to isolate themselves for five days. I think that's just the situation that we're in. That's just the nature of the virus. I did want to talk briefly about this fun article. Uh, this is from Reason.com. Connecticut parents arrested for letting kids ages 7 and 9 walk to Dunkin' Donuts. And this is uh, one of those stories that frequently pops up, which is uh, some parents believe that it is acceptable for their children to be out in public on their own or watching out for one another if they are siblings. And we live in a time in our culture where kids out and about in public are considered at great right. risk to themselves uh, and, and that therefore 
the parents are in some way endangering them by allowing them to walk a couple blocks down to the convenience store or to, in this case to the Dunkin' Donuts or maybe up to the and, park to, to go play. And all play. these stories are because of some like uh, concerned busybody, right? Like, I mean, I don't know. I haven't heard this particular story. Is it like somebody there sees these kids walking and they're too young for their liking and they call somebody? How old were they? They were nine and seven. This was in uh, Killingly, Connecticut. I'm quoting from the article here. A suburban town in the northeast part of the state. The Rivers lived near an elementary school, library, state police barracks, sidewalks, crosswalks, many Victorian-style homes, and the aforementioned donut shop. The kids gathered $7, and off they went. A few minutes later, the River parents heard a knock at the door. It was the police. The first cop to show up said he didn't think it was safe for the kids to walk by themselves, Rivers tells reason. We told him... That while we did feel it was safe, we agreed to not allow them to walk around town unsupervised. We thought that would have been the end of it, she added, until three more officers showed up. The first cop sent River's husband to retrieve the kids, who had only made it about two blocks down the street. Then mom, dad, and the kids faced a barrage of questions. They told us that it wasn't safe for kids to walk down the street, that there are registered sex offenders all over town that could take them, that drug dealers were going to give them drugs, and that it was a different world now. She tried to dispute what the police were saying, and one of them asked if she watched the news. What? The police report, which was review- <laughs> which was reviewed by reason, makes clear that the police were obsessed with the possibility of sex offenders harming the children. And Indeed, they pressed, yeah. they projection. They pressed the rivers to search the sex offender registry to learn which of their neighbors were on it. <laughs> the officers also claimed that they had received a dozen 911 calls about the kids during the short time that they were gone. Uh, Rivers thought that this was unlikely as they had only made it past four other homes. But whatever the rationale, the officers proceeded to charge Rivers' husband with risk of injury to a minor. They charged Rivers separately for the same thing. Then they arrested her husband and took him away. I tried to convince the officers that we weren't doing anything wrong, she says. This was obviously futile, but I had to try. Then I went back inside to help with the kids. I found out later from my husband that after I went inside, the arresting officer said to him, if she talks to me again, I'm going to arrest you both and take away your kids. Wow. Rivers' husband was back home quickly after the arrest, and they began searching for a lawyer. A few days later, a police sergeant visited the house and let the Rivers know that they were dropping the charges. He admitted that the law concerning child negligence was open to interpretation on the question of letting kids walk by themselves. Happily, the Rivers told the lawyer that his services wouldn't be necessary after all because everything was settled. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case. The police charges had gone away, but the Department of Children and Families pursued its own investigation. So they go on to explain the ways in which uh, the the defects people caused a bunch of trouble for these people, including uh, forcing them into counseling and that sort of thing. And when it was revealed that the mother had separately previously been in treatment for depression, like before she even had kids, they made a stink about that. And they were suggesting that they could lose their kids wow. because of all of this, all because their kids want to walk down the street it and buy a like couple a of donuts. That needs more crime. Bored cops. Again, this is the sort of thing that comes up from time to time. And the the outsized threat that we are meant to believe that we are constantly living under in this nation of uh, approaching 400 million people. And I know that the, the freaks and weirdos want to insist that there's this constant 
flow of uh, children being whisked away and 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 stolen away, and there are uh, pedo rings all over the place, and apparently really questionable outfits uh, advertising on our show. But I think largely we live in a pretty safe time, and if parents believe that it's fine for their nine and seven year old to walk down the street, they should be permitted to let the nine and seven year old. You, you know walk what's down the uh, interesting? Um, uh, you, you will often hear uh, or read about uh, people saying it's not like how it used to be when we're growing up, um, and yeah. it's true, but like not in the way they think. Like I mean, I'm all of the crime trends. Like if you, I mean, if you do year over year, the last couple of years, maybe you'll see an up, uh, uptick, but if you do it like over 50 years, the trend line is down, right? Across all, you know, different types of crimes, but it's the perception. Basically it's all of the news outlets that exist now, the internet, it gives you an impression that people and children especially are being snatched up every day. Like if you you know, if you turn right. around, if you go to the bathroom while the kid is walking around, somebody's going to snatch them. And that's not the case. And who who abducts kids 99 times out of 100? Who's who's abducting children, the fam- by the it's way? It's the family member. It's the it's the dad who's right. mad at the mom, right? It's the it's the mom who's mad at the dad. If there's a child snatching happening, it is the overwhelming majority of the time. It's the parent. Somebody it's the parent and therefore Mom is not letting the kids take off to the Seven Eleven on the corner if they know that Dad is super fucking mad and is on right. the on the hunt for them, right? So like, people know their kids; they know when they're being safe and when they're not, and they should be permitted to do what they want to do with their kids. Uh, I grew up with intense stranger danger. I had a game, a board game that was—I don't know if it was called Stranger Danger, but it may have been actually <laughs> called that, and. It was like, what do you do if someone comes up and offers you candy? Like, I fully thought that I was going to be kidnapped until I was like 13. Like, I was sure that everywhere I went, there were kidnappers. Because that was all of the input that I got from my parents and, you know, not just my parents, like... Yeah. It was the 80s. Yeah. And, like, we should probably let our kids know stuff. But we just haven't because yeah. Bob's around all the time. That's probably part of it. Yeah. This also is in interesting conversation with the should we tell parents that their kid is trans conversation that's going on between yeah. schools and parents. And it – not to get all uh, over dramatic about it, but it does strike me as almost always bad when – the state is interfering in the relationship between parent and child. And this is a a prime example of that. I don't know what you've done as a cop in this scenario besides scare the shit out of the children. They're doing some sort of Uh, good, right? Like scare them straight or something. I'm sure they're thinking that, right? That they're trying to scare somebody into compliance. I wouldn't even order my own food at a restaurant because that's a stranger. Yeah, that's right. We sort of talked about it last week. I, I'm I'm still constantly thinking about this problem of the trans kids in school and whether or not they should be alerted. Uh, if if a if a kid should be told, if sorry, if a parent should be told that their child has decided to socially transition in the school, or if the school should effectively socially transition that child without their parents' knowledge, and it I. 
it it's been driving me fucking crazy because I I can't be moved from my position and I like to be moved from my position. I like to have my What is your position again? Why in the world is it up to the school to socially transition the parent without letting the parent yeah. know okay. and then continue to send that child home every day to this place where this what where what the school is suggesting is that it's not safe for the child to be themselves at home. And that, but the school continues to allow that child to go home every night to a place that the school has determined is not safe for that child. You must have the courage of your convictions in this case and attempt to separate that child from the abusive household if you're not willing to tell the, the, the parent about the fact that their child has decided to, to, to change their gender presentation in the school. Right. I I, uh, I I do tend to agree with that position. The, the one exception would be, like, it sounds like the default position is to assume harm will come your way, right, or the, the, the child's way, and so don't tell the parents. But right, and the response to, of, of assholes on Twitter is to say you would know if you could be trusted with this information. Like, if like, like when, when people start saying, like, why shouldn't I know, the response from glib assholes, glib childless largely assholes on Twitter is if you could be trusted with this information, your child would have told you. It's like, have you ever met a teenager, you fucking <laughs> right. psychopaths? Teenagers think that they can't trust their right. parents with anything. They're not right most of the time. They're incredibly wrong most right. of the and, time. And, and that's just one more reason why Twitter's not a, a proper format uh, yep. uh, like a, a venue for making decisions but uh i do think the default position should be yeah that they're your kid and the information we're not going to be withholding information if I, I do think you could probably carve out an exception if the the school knew of concrete specific evidence that harm would come their way you know like so some sort of like something they knew specific to this one case then you can take uh other measures but like yeah you don't want to get in between like your, your the parent and the child like that that didn't, that didn't seem like a very sustainable position to be in especially in a time and again not to give credence to uh bad actors and bad faith actors in the culture but at a time when in the one of the most prevalent words in the discourse is groomers right yeah. and the, and this this elevated concern about people that are outside of the home saying things and teaching things to children that they don't want taught or that they think might be preparing them for a, a world that they don't agree with or, or inculcating in them an understanding of the world that the parents would rather they not uh, understand in that way at a time when Parents are already primed to be worried about the stupid books in the library and what the what the history teacher is telling to their kids at school. Now you want to start insisting further that the school is a safe place relative to the home for you to be who you want to be and that you you like I'm your mother now kind of horseshit from public schools. Like it's it's just it's not an intelligent way of framing the uh, of putting at odds and by the way like uh, i start ranting but for generation after generation the, the message that we're told is that schools are most successful when you have parental involvement yeah. right that, that that this is it it takes a village it takes it takes an involved parent and it takes a good school but one is not sufficient both are necessary conditions but each on their own is not a sufficient condition in order to have a success at uh, your local school you need to have 
have involved parents working closely together with good schools. And now we're going to set them up as oppositional forces. Yeah. We're going to say that you can't, you're not safe at home, but you can be safe here. Like I don't, I don't know what it is that we're trying to to get at here. Like you don't get, you don't get to decide. You don't get to raise my kid. We're doing this fucking together, right? It's a, it's a, it's a give and take right. thing. You're also freaking out about what you call a vanishingly small amount of people. Yes, the actual trans population is a vanishingly small amount of people. And uh, you're not supposed to say the word social contagion, but I don't think it can be denied that this is also sort of a trend. It's a, it's a thing that's, that's happening and, and it, is, it is being encouraged far beyond the actual medical and psychological diagnosis, the underlying actual disease or mental psychological disorder that is gender dysphoria, right? This is in, it's in the DSM. It's an actual diagnosable thing. Gender dysphoria is a thing and not all of these kids have it. And I don't think that uh, there's any evidence that you can point to that says that kids without gender dysphoria should be socially transitioned outside of the, uh, without, without any knowledge of their parents, never mind with the knowledge of their parents. I, I do want to know, uh, is this actually happening anywhere at this time? Like, or is this like, are these proposals that are making their ways and people are trying to get ahead of it like is this like is there any school no you read the times piece about it and you they talk to actual parents who were not who were who liberal accepting parents who were not informed of what was going on with their kids. so there were the there are at least those those school districts that are employing this yeah there are places where this is happening and it, and and by the way you allow it to go on like this it's how you end up with the awful laws in utah and yeah. florida and tennessee and, and and the the backlash is always going to be worse if you allow the most uh, radical ideologues to set the policy the backlash to it is is automatically going to be worse and it it, it makes it a pitched battle between the worst actors in the society uh, and and it, it's not healthy right. for anyone Certainly not for the children. I'm getting tired, and it's ten fifteen. Yeah. All right, let's do uh, let's do Rick Ross. Rick Ross, I think, would be a big fan of our segment. Oh. Our bogus future. If Rick Ross has ever tuned into the show, Rick Ross would appreciate our weekly segment, Our Bogus Future. I'm going to let Rick take it from here. No, I won't have a smart... Well, I'm not going to say I won't have a smart car, but I've never ridden in a Tesla. Never. Never. Never in my no life. smart car. I've never ridden in a Tesla, and the reason being is because I've always had in the back of my mind the government could tap into the brain of the car. Yeah. Okay, where's Rick? He's over here. No, bring him in for questioning. Well, go ahead. Yo, um, it's leaving Wingstop before the wings. You pull up to the building and the Asian walk out. Hey, Rick. What you think it can't? That bitch self drive. If a bitch can jump out the drive, they got pieces bringing you pieces, robot cars, tacos. So if you get in that, go lock the door and take you where it wanna go. That bitch a smoke. Yeah, that bitch could. You think you finna smoke a blunt? That bitch will suck the out. That bitch. 
I enjoyed that from Rick Ross. And uh, it's a as silly as it is, the, the presentation, uh, he's a charming guy. I recommend watching the video to get a full full picture of what it is that he's saying there. Should we have any concern about the fact that government always finds a way to take advantage of the next piece of technology, right? Like they, they uh, the NSA goes and they put a fucking big old internet reader on the AT&T server so they can read every little bit of the internet or, or uh, the, the cops – send a, a warrant to Google so they can track my every movement for the last six months also, if they're interested hackers, in what I've... I hadn't even considered someone else driving my car away. That's right. Somebody finds out where Rick Ross is. Uh, he's trying to get some wings at the wing stop, and they want to uh, abduct him uh, for ransom or something Before like that. Before the wings are even ready. Yep, can't even get his wings, and his, or his like, Tesla what if starts I'm just driving at him home away. And they just steal my car. Yeah, plausible. <laughs> this is a horrible idea. <laughs> it's not... Okay, you know, uh, every time some new thing comes about, there's always there are always these concerns, and uh, you know, forty years into this whole living thing, uh, almost none of them ever come to fruition. Uh, I would imagine that there's some sort of overriding, or maybe, maybe Abe, you are the proverbial frog in the <laughs> boiling pot you of water. What? If and I'm what... bold at 99 years old, and uh, it was a great scheme uh, oh you got me like who cares then but like so far none of these things have actually come to, uh, true i wouldn't want something that was like all could be manipulated to where remotely someone in i don't know iran or, or or toronto could override my actions and veered my car off course or whatever but as long as they take care of that then there's no concern yeah. Uh, Ross later said he believed Teslas would be able to repossess themselves should their owners miss payments on the vehicles. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> like, you take my car from my driveway. Yeah. All right. Not a lot to say about that, <laughs> okay, probably. Good night. Uh, one, one more story here. HBCU coach apologizes for offering Marcus Stokes, ex-Florida QB commit, who lost scholarship over racial slur. Abe, perhaps you'll recall Marcus Stokes is a four-star recruit out of... Florida, he filmed himself as a teenager, as a, a high school individual, rapping along to some some of that uh, urban mm-hmm. music that the youths That's like right. to listen to. And he mouthed the right. N-word as part of his performance of, like, you know, like yeah. lip syncing yeah. along yeah. with your favorite yeah. song. And he uploaded that to... Is this a to, white person? Yes. Uh, mm. He's a, a white person a That's white tricky 16 or 17 year old i think when he uploaded the video Don't be that and he uploaded the video to his social media and when that was discovered the university of florida this is a uh, six months ago or something rescinded his scholarship yeah. offer because he cannot you cannot be seen mouthing <laughs> the n-word along with your preferred favorite music now that obviously the our show is unlikely to suggest that florida was in the right Right. here Uh, at least me anyway i think it's very silly and florida should have said uh he apologized he abjectly apologized and prostrated himself before the world when this came to pass he he said he was a a stupid kid and he should have done that and he didn't mean to hurt anybody and we think that our program is strong enough that he can learn from his mistakes as we bring him into the fold Uh, but of course florida didn't do that they said uh it's not the sort of behavior that we tolerate here uh, what what behavior right. is that exactly again? That he was listening to music and then uh, mouthed along with 
the forbidden yeah. word. They, they just don't want to deal with any potential flack, so they're just throwing them overboard. Right. Meanwhile, uh, a few months later, Quinn Gray, who's the head coach of uh, Division II HBCU program at Albany State, uh, offered a scholarship to this. this is a fucking oh, four star. We I could know. get a four star <laughs> to come play Division II football. And I'm sure that, like, uh, it, part of his thinking was, and Quinn Gray, by the way, it's a, uh, is a black man. If yeah. it matters, he himself was a quarterback who had a brief glass of water in the league himself some 20 years ago. Not a name that I recognized or remembered, certainly, but apparently did play professional ball briefly. Okay. Head coach at Albany State uh, offered a scholarship or uh, yeah, made a scholarship offer to this four-star recruit and had to uh, apologize and rescind that offer when it came to light. I mean, not to play into the tropes too much. And of course, if you're writing the movie of this, like the the unfortunate, like uh, James Cameron. Very busy writing football movies. Sort of so movie I don't of have this. time for this one. <laughs> you need the all forgiving sort of magical Negro right. trope of, of the HBCU yeah. to bring this Marcus kid in to rehabilitate him so that so that he he realizes the error of his ways because of course in the movie he wasn't just mouthing the n-word right. much to his shame he was a a virulent racist on the inside right. and then you bring him in to the fold at the HBCU and you turn his whole fucking soul around and it's a uh, uh, the, the HBCU is just the scaffolding on which uh Marcus gets his hero's journey obviously yeah. that uh, is not the kind of movie you want to make in today's political climate but would it be so bad if this kid went and played quarterback at the HBCU and and like to me it would have been a really great story not for the kid but for the school Right. I, I, I still can't go over how ridiculous this whole thing is that, that, that all of this would happen over mouthing. This is the actual song that was written. It's not like, what sort of scam would it be like, I'm a racist and this is my way in? Like, I'll just, just mouth lyrics Maybe and nothing else. Maybe just looked super lame doing it. And yeah. they were like, we can't have someone so lame. I can so assure lame. you that he, he looked lame doing it. <laughs> So is he uh, just is, black blacklisted uh, from any sort of offer? I guess so. I don't know what school at this point could bring him on. Like if if you're not, I mean, Mike Leach is dead now. He seems like the sort of coach who would, yeah. who would give a guy a chance. How did this come about, uh, by the way? Did somebody, some uh, internet person uh, look into his whatever? I don't know. Uh, with Stokes still looking for somewhere to play college football, Quinn and Albany State reached out to him on January 24th. Stokes tweeted that he had received an offer from the Golden Rams. Less than a week later, Quinn released a lengthy apology via the school's website. That's the uh, that's the coach. Quinn said his decision to recruit Stokes was, quote, unaccept unacceptable, end quote. Quinn also revealed that he had a conversation with University President Marion Ross Frederick about the matter. Quote, let me start with a humble apology, Quinn wrote, an apology for not honoring the tradition and history of ASU, the, the history and tradition yeah. of Albany State, uh, and for letting many of you down. HBCU. Yes. I didn't uphold the Ramley standard. That's uh, that's a play on words. It's like the Family. The Ram, family. the Ram family, the Ramley, the Ramley standard that I know you expect. Please know that my decision to speak with a student that did not meet your expectations 
was unacceptable. I only wanted the best for our team, athletes, and institution when I invited the student to visit ASU. As I say to our players, there is a consequence to every action. The consequences of my actions brought pain to our university. I was trying to help a student get back in competition, and in my haste, I did not consider the impact the decision would have on all of you. Frankly, it wasn't my place to use ASU as the platform for redemption in this case. I regret that I used flawed judgment. If given the opportunity, I will do better. It's fucking ridiculous. Did did he actually? uh, So he he must have gotten some actual blowback. Yeah, clearly the president like threatened his job if he didn't uh, rescind the offer and apologize for it. So what is it that people want from the kid? Like he can't. So you know, obviously he can't undo this. Uh, We were watching the Back to the Future uh, uh, movie uh, when I was up there, but that's not actually a thing, right? You can't go back and change what happened in the past. So. This person, the punishment is he can't play football at all. That is the. I don't know. We'll find out. He has. He's currently still has scholarship offers from or or since this one was rescinded, uh, Alabama A and M and West Florida. He still has options there. He's the twenty fifth rated quarterback nationally in the twenty twenty three signing class, but number one of that list of guys who also videoed themselves singing along to the N word. Yeah. And so who knows what will happen. I imagine there will be uproars if he signs a letter intent, letter of intent with any of these other schools. And I don't know. The, the, to me, the problem starts and ends with the University of Florida, as usual, right. who should not have rescinded his offer in the first place and instead should have taken this on. As an institution that is the size that they are, they could have said this is an issue for us, but it is not the sort of thing that we think – makes or breaks uh, a human being in the long run. And we're going to see what kind of kid he is and bring him to school and try to make him better. You've been listening to Cast Iron Brains, a podcast with Bob and Abe. Find the show on Facebook or Twitter. Head on over to brainiron.com, castironbrains.com for a show note. The opening and closing themes of the show were composed by Mark Gillig. Find him over at tetramermusic.com, T-E-T-R-A-M-E-R music.com. Hey, we did not get to... The restaurant in Connecticut who named – she opened a new restaurant. She named it Woke. It was a, a coffee and eggs kind of place with a little bit of a, a Mexican slant to the menu. And uh, she received a great deal of conservative backlash. Uh, backlash, by the way, that only resulted in a bunch of woke types coming up and lining up out the door uh, in the first few weeks that she opened her nine table restaurant and her biggest problems these days seem to be uh that she's too goddamn busy uh running her restaurant so long term no big problems but the story was amusing to me and to you uh, for the absurdity that it suggests we're currently living in yeah i have, I have a hard time uh believing her story that she lived under a rock for all this time and has no awareness of any connotation uh that's political it is plausible to me that a no, lifetime about it. a lifetime no. restaurateur did not know that woke was a word that would raise the ire of approximately one half of right. the obnoxious political spectrum what is not plausible to me is that her 23-year-old son, who created the logo and was helping her get this place going, did not know? Yeah. Like, uh, okay, maybe the 40-year-old uh, who busies sure. herself with, with a, uh, as a short-order cook at her own restaurant uh, 14 hours a day doesn't get on the internet. 
I believe it. Uh, the 23-year-old kid, he knows what the fuck woke means. Right. Come on, yeah. help mom out. And, and I guess he didn't sh- uh, share that with his mom. Uh, the the For what it's worth, the shop's catchphrase is, you woke up and made the right choice, right? Uh, so... This this scheme continues. The next restaurant will be called Choice, right? Obviously, and she she'll also be befuddled as to why. Amazing. Well, what's the problem? No, I, I don't know where this came from. Like, what, I'm not into the abortion thing. It's totally different. Yeah, it's very like. There's no way either of you don't know. All right. Did you uh, make the movies this week? I did. Uh, before I came up to Charlottesville, uh, I went to go see this movie, uh, Living. Uh, it's uh, some movie set in England. Uh, and it was living, eh? So, so plain, uh, missing, plain. and living yes. are your three most recent trips yeah, to the theater. The, the naming pattern is kind of odd. Uh, so, the, the movie was pretty good overall, enjoyable, right? Uh, as uh, most of these movies have been. Solid month, by the way. January, usually one of the worst movie months, um, and uh, not bad, I would say. A uh, very solid start to the year. But uh, the movie is, is like set like in the 50s in London. This guy's like a government stooge, you know? It's like, oh. Don't, don't, don't worry, Abe. Shazam the sequel and, and Ant- Dungeons and, and Dragons Ant-Man. are coming soon. Yeah. And Ant-Man That's right. 11. But yeah. basically, this guy's like some government stooge guy who just goes to work. He's just this dull, boring guy. He doesn't really go out of his way to help anybody. He does kind of like the bare minimum. Like a lot of proposals come his way for like building some, you know, some area for kids to play, uh, like a playground or something like that. And he'll just find any excuse not to do it. Like, oh, you didn't uh, fill out the right form. Fuck you. Uh, This is just going to sit at my desk for months, right? So like the movie is just opens with just him just following the rules and not doing anything to help. He finds out he has some sort of terminal illness, and then he changes his ways, and he's like, I'm going to help people now because I'm going to die. And I, I couldn't help but think, like, this guy's kind of a schmuck. Like, so you needed to be dying to, like, <laughs> help somebody? Like, really? This is the story? Uh, but the story yeah. was well told. Whereas you, whereas you, your bureaucrat pencil pusher that you <laughs> are, of course, every day working for the man you step out of line constantly to help the every everyday schmuck yeah, right my my catchphrase is above and above <laughs> yeah <laughs> we also together we watched uh back to the future 2 and uh we'll get to that one in a second just a quick 30 seconds on back to the future 2 i agree i think with the general consensus that 2 is not as good as 1 yes but i do think two is more interesting in, as an intellectual exercise in terms of like trying to figure out how all of the goofy mechanics of time travel is supposed to work and the potential various outcomes and all of the rest of that. Also, I think that the second movie drags just a little bit. Like the first movie, just remarkable efficiency of the first movie to just slam you from one scene to the next. And it feels like you're going a million miles an hour the whole time. There's a little bit of a drag to the second one where it just feels a little bit longer than it needs to be. Largely because it's so much of it is just Pouring nostalgia in the nostalgia yes. in the nostalgia. There's a lot right? of like that. The, the Back to the Future movie in the first place was already. A but g- it's nostalgia for like two years ago. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I know. But but the, and then the movie itself was nostalgia for the time from thirty years before. And then even watching it now is an exercise in nostalgia yeah. for the eighties in a weird sort of way. So like watching this where it's like they pour the nostalgia on so fucking thick. And I think that's why that a lot of people found the third one to be 
sort of more interesting and more fun than the second one, ultimately. Uh, even if it's not, like, it's much more of a sort of traditional story. So maybe we'll watch that on Friday. Yeah, maybe we'll watch that. They, uh, they, they, uh, we, they got a lot uh, wrong about the this hypothetical 2015 future. Uh, yes. But they did have a couple, didn't they have the Google Lens thing? They, they kind of were... Kind of there, but then a lot of the hoverboard stuff like that never. Yeah, the scene of the the scene of the shitbag kids sitting at the dinner table yeah. on their screens, and their but their screens were just attached to their yeah. faces, sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, but like, also that was spot on. The kid, the young '80s Michael J. Fox, or the 2015 kid, goes to the TV and he's like, "Turn on this channel and this channel and this channel and this channel," and it does, yeah. and. Somehow we don't have the capability to do that, even though we do have right. the capability yeah. to yeah. do that. Well, YouTube TV is apparently going to roll out an update that allows you to do uh, multiple feeds at once. Good. I want to be able to just stand there and be like, I want to watch The Office. I want to watch the Georgia game. I want to watch the TCU Texas game. Like, I want to be able to stand there and shout at the TV. And I want the Roomba to suck my dick while I'm doing it. Yeah. <laughs> also, it is funny how they were thinking so far ahead with uh, certain things, but like the kitchen, like the appliances were all from like 1982. Yeah. Like, the, like, right. <laughs> there's no change here. There's no internet. Yeah. We there's also... still no internet. <laughs> And there's still fax machines yeah. all over the place. <laughs> Although the future, the future is, is not around. the yeah. future is uh, not just a fax machine in the house. The future is every available wall yeah. and alcove of your house has a fax machine in it. <laughs> there's just fax machines fucking everywhere. And that's how you get fired. Uh, we also watched this movie. It's called American Underdog. American oh, Underdog. what a movie! Uh, this is while we were. We did watch it while we were plowing through that bottle of whiskey on Saturday. Also, night. we were playing games, so we weren't fully right. paying attention. Although we uh, were fact checking the... every like twenty minutes from our recall. That's right. This is the, <laughs> the Kurt Warner story, and it tells the story of the great Kurt Warner's rise from forty-year-old uh, sort of uh, in college. college and then a, a, a grocery store clerk. Although there's like there's like one scene of him bagging groceries, and I felt shortchanged on the bagging groceries quotient of the Kurt Warner story. Yeah. We needed more of that. Maybe he didn't actually do it for very long. There yeah. were a uh, one grocery scene and two kisses, like throughout the whole movie. There were just yeah. two scenes where they kissed. <laughs> yeah. Well, not, that I, not that I not that I want to see halfway through the movie. Not so. that I want to yeah. see Kurt Warner and his uh, short-haired wife banging or anything like that, but like give us something. Give us a hint that there's some somewhere somebody felt a little bit of passion at some point along the way. No, uh, it was just like pity. The, <laughs> it was just a, it was a, oh yeah, I'm really into the fact that you have uh kids and specifically a disabled kid. Oh, and your parents just died? We should fuck. Uh we should get married now. And and what's uh, weird is that the 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 the, the mother with the, the 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 kid who can uh uh not see too well and the uh the other kid like at, at least for the first few minutes in the movie, she's like out at this bar. Like at night, like just constantly. Well, that's how you meet your. That's how you meet your husband. Yeah. <laughs> it's very strange. Where else are you gonna get a father for these kids if not at the bar? Abe, how dare you shame that poor woman <laughs> who's who spends all of her time fucking breaking her back and breaking her spirit to take care of her two kids? She can't go out and have a nice time for Christ's sake. <laughs> Also, how else like, do you find like, a husband? Yeah. Literally in a very every real night way. of the week, it seemed. It was pre-tender. Uh, what out. do you think was behind the casting decision uh, to just hire 
they couldn't find like a 26 year old to play a college kid like do you think nope they couldn't find one there aren't they couldn't they were all out yeah Zach Le- Zach, Zachary Levi or man. Levy or whatever however you say his name he he plays the Shazam character yeah. uh, and he's like among other things yeah. Yeah, he looks like old Kurt Warner, and they had him playing like twenty-year-old Kurt Warner and twenty-six-year-old Kurt Warner. Not believable in any way. And Anna Paquin was was not very good as the as the wife. But you know, a fun movie to get fucking plastered by and make fun I had of a along good the way. Idea. Yeah, they they shortchanged the uh, the the actual him making it. Basically, oh yeah, and then he won the Super Bowl. Yeah, yada yada yada. It's kind of like just the last two minutes was like oh. He got called up, and some other guy got injured, and the rest was history. It was kind of very yeah. quick. Uh, let's see. What else? We did not watch the zombies. Last of Us uh, because we were watching the football, and then we were tired, and we went to bed, so we're not caught up on that yet. I watched it. A very good episode. I heard nice. I, I heard that this was uh, probably the best episode yet. The guy so from uh, to... Parks and Rec or one of those shows is not in it. Yeah, yeah the, Nick. The Bacon guy, Yeah, right? Bacon. Nick Offerman. Nick Offerman. And I think it's the guy from the first season of The White Lotus, the the coked out uh, hotel manager. Oh, nice. Oh, sweet. He's in there. He's pretty good. Yeah, keep him in the HBO family. (laughs) Keep him coming back. He's a lovely actor. Also, I didn't know until it was pointed out to me, girl in the show is the Mormont girl. from Game of Thrones. I didn't know. Yeah, Yeah, with the fucked up face, with the fucked up skin in in Game of Thrones. No, 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 not her. She's like the head of some uh, group in the North. She's the the girl in the North. Oh, right, right, right. Not not the the one uh, with the eczema. But it's nice to know that all women look the same to you. Yeah, the feisty girl from uh, Game of Thrones. What the fuck, Bob? All women? What do you mean all women? She was a child. Forgive me for not being a... They look nothing alike. Okay, but that's not an all women thing. This is children. They're interchangeable. What are you talking about? Okay, all children look the same. (laughs) Call her a woman? That's gross. She could be signed up for that... New brainiron.com childcare concern that was uh, advertising <laughs> on the show she's earlier. A, whatever. Anyway, Abe, you uh, got anything else for us tonight? Nope. Happy birthday, Bob. It's a happy uh, birthday. Old I think that's all we've got for tonight, then. And we will Old talk to you next time. Later. Watched that uh, Strasser interview with uh, Gene Starator. Yes. Low effort in yeah. terms of the getting off of anything. There were no. I mean, was there even one? Not even in no. Nothing even in the neighborhood yeah. of a pun. You need to uh, start a uh, hashtag free Strassman movement. I've started the hashtag. The problem is the movement. So I'm. <laughs> I'm 90% of the way there, but I'm also like 1% of the way there. I don't, I'm not sure where the. Right. Can't, can't do this before I get here. At this point, it's like a ritual. Wait for Lori, then do the things. It is his desperate need to be in charge. And be <laughs> oh, is that what it is? Who 
is the determiner of when we're ready. Yeah. He will gotcha. never wait on anyone. <laughs> I've been waiting on everyone since 8.30, as a matter of fact. <laughs> you haven't, because you hadn't gotten your phys... I was like, do you need anything else? You got to go to the bathroom? Ready to go? 100%? Nope. Because you're a liar. I'm ready to go when I get my fizzy flavor water. Yeah, you should have gotten it when, before. No, w- right before we start. Because you right. never wait on anyone. Wait on everyone until I come you make, back. Until you make everyone wait on you. Yes. Like it is just, it is your thing. I, I never would have put two and two together, but you may be right, Laura. This is a power move. What? I'll turn your mic up. Because we desperately need to hear your commentary. Raise female voices. Elevate female voices. That's not true! So get your facts straight. I'm a man. I'm 40. I'm not a, I'm not a kid.